What's going on, Alex? Hi, how are you? Doing well. So welcome to another episode of the Dodgers, Lakers, Rams, and Patriots podcast. I'm your host, Laura Antonio. This will be the first of two segments that are, we're going to record today with, with my co-host, Alex Christ. And um, the first topic today of these two segments, we're going to start off with the NFL segment for 20 minutes. And first, let's start off with recapping Wild Card Weekend. And what are your thoughts on Wild Card Weekend? Well, I just think it was just absolutely incredible on some of the games on the way they they finished um, with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to start off with that game. I just think um, just a little bit of turnovers with the football just kind of cost the Ravens. I mean, I really thought they would um, have an opportunity to um, finish that game out. But then the other thing, just it was just so disappointing to me because I've been rooting for the Bears so much this year. And just to see that ball hit twice off the upright for Cody Parkey, I was going like, oh, boy, this is this is not going to be pretty for, for Bears fans. But I was very, very impressed, though, by um, – Andrew Luck as well with with the Colts. I really think that he is starting to really play foot football at a higher level than probably any other quarterback in in the league. So I mean, it was a very exciting um, weekend. Just a lot of crazy moments, but that's what Wild Card Weekend is all yep, about. Yeah, all the dramatics and clutch moments happened in Wild Card Weekend, but. The Bears had a, had to be a disappointment. I thought the Bears had some, a comeback in them, but what happened was I think Nick Foles had his magic, but I think the Nick Foles magic carpet ride will be over. We'll get to the divisional round in just a few minutes. We'll preview that with our game picks. But I thought the most exciting game was out of the wild card weekend was the Cowboys and Seahawks game. But the disappointment was the Colts-Texans games, which I thought that was just a boring game throughout but the exciting ones that stood out to me were the Seahawks Cowboys then the uh, Chargers and Ravens but the Ravens almost pulled it off but the disappointment was the Bears against the Eagles Mm -hmm. absolutely agree agree with you on on that one and with the um, Cowboys and Seahawks I agree with you that was a that was a great game I was though um, a little critical about um the Seahawks game plan in that game. I really kind of thought they would air it out a little bit more with Russell Wilson, but they really wanted to try and set up the running game, but the Cowboys just weren't, weren't giving it to them. And that was a really good job game planning there by Rod Marinelli for, for the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. And then we'll move moving on now to the recap of the college football national championship game. I thought that that game was kind of boring throughout the second half because Clemson just, put that game in the bag already and also prospects to keep an eye on the draft so Trevor Lawrence will be a good guy to keep an eye on but I just think I think uh, Trevor Lawrence is not yet eligible for the draft I think he's going to be a future he's going to be an NFL ready quarterback in the future and I think one of Alabama's defensive linemen or one of Clemson's defensive linemen should be one of those prospects to watch when it comes to the NFL draft and look for I, the Patriots or the Rams to draft one of those guys to bolster up that front line of the defense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I uh, um, was 
impressed as well with uh, um, Trevor Lawrence as well. He really did a um, a great job, a great job there. But um, I would like to point out though, um, just uh, Alabama safety that uh, Deontay Thompson. I was reading about him that he was probably going to be a first round draft choice, but just so, some of those plays that he gave up deep. I mean, he's just got to learn to sometimes just you know like just having have amnesia on on plays like that and just say you know what I'll, I'll learn from my mistake but I mean just Lawrence was just airing it out against that defense but like like you said you know I mean there's a lot of great great prospects there and you know Patriots do need some help on on their defense to to upgrade it but I really think though there's you know at least four or five players I think who played in that national championship game that might be taken in the first round that you might be right my friend but now let's Move on, and now let's preview the divisional round of the playoffs with our game picks. First, let's start off with the Saturday games, and let's start off with our picks between the Colts and the Chiefs. In this game, I'm going to go with – I have this game on upset alert, and I have the Colts upsetting the Chiefs. I agree with you there. uh, I'm I'm kind of still on the Chiefs bandwagon a little bit, but just the way Indianapolis is playing has been – incredible and and I'd like to also um point something out in this game. I believe this is like the fifth matchup these teams have been in the playoffs. They met in 95, 2003, 2006 and 2013 and all four of those times the Indianapolis Colts beat out the Chiefs. So, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to be, you know, looking at that history trying to reverse it, but Andrew Luck has just been playing great football lately and the Colts have had great performances from their defense, especially Darius Leonard. Yeah, Darius Leonard, definitely a guy that's going to be in the race for Anna, for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Keep an eye on, on that. But I also think um, in this game, I have the Colts beating the Chiefs 28-24. It's going to come down to one touchdown pass that Andrew Luck's going to throw to, and he's going to throw it to, of course, T.Y. Hilton. Now let's move on to the uh, – <laughs> Next divisional round game on Saturday with the Cowboys and the Rams. I have the Rams winning this one by a high score. It's going to be 34-31 Rams over the Cowboys. I agree. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game as as well. I, I just don't think the Cowboys just can match up with um, the Rams' um, offensive players. You know what I mean? Just so, just so many depth weapons you have there, Brandon Cook. Hooks, Todd Gurley, Jared Goff with the Cowboys, though. I mean, just, you know, I mean, they got to, you know, run it with Ezekiel Elliott and um, just deal it to Amari Cooper. But I, I just think the Rams just have so many weapons in this game and, and they're going to prevail. And I agree that it would be high score. For sure. And then let's go to the Sunday games. And I actually have my Patriots beating the Chargers by 10 points in this one. I say it's going to be. 35-17 Patriots over the Chargers. I agree. I, I I really think this game for for the Patriots to win this one. I mean, they just really just have to, you know, play great offense. And I th- I think what you can do in this game, if you're the Patriots, I think you just kind of just need to play ball control with the Chargers there. Because if you know that your defense isn't as great as it has been, if you can control the clock and give the Chargers very few possessions. I mean, you can build on that lead and you can get the Chargers frustrated. And I think that can 
really lead the Patriots to to a big win and put them back in the AFC Championship yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. So 35-17 for me for the Patriots beating the Chargers. And now let's go on to the last of the divisional round games with the Eagles and the Saints. I have the Saints winning by a touchdown. It's going to come down to both offenses that really want to live for the moment. And I think the Saints win by the score of 28-35. And I think it's going to be a tie game throughout, but it's going to come down to one final play. And I think Drew Brees is going to end the, the magic carpet ride of Nick Foles. Agreed. I, I'm I'm pulling the Saints on on this one. I think I think the Saints defense. I think they can um, step up and uh and make a few plays. And um, I also think as well, just with their weapons as well. I mean, Philadelphia did a good job mixing it up against against Chicago, but the Saints just have so many more weapons than Philadelphia does, and they have one of the best rush defenses in the NFC as well. So I think I. I th- I'm going to say this game could have a bit of a two-possession lead. I would go probably 38-28 for me, but I, I still think it would be a tight game. But in the end, the Saints, the Saints would pull and away. Now, and now we'll we'll do our game picks for the NFC and AFC championship game matchups next week with our projected scores. But let's predict the matchups. Um, for the AFC championship game, I have the Patriots facing the Colts. And on the NFC championship game, I have the Rams facing the Saints. We will we'll agree with the uh, um, the NFC Championship Rams and and Saints. Um, I, I'm gonna go with the uh, um, Colts and Patriots as well for for mine and the AFC. All right, too. and then let's talk about a little bit of the Pro Bowl, and then let's talk about some breaking news that happened yesterday about what happened in the head coaching searches for teams that needed head coaches for the 2019 season. But talk about the Pro Bowl. Um, I think. This Pro Bowl coming up, I think uh, it should be good. But I'm hearing – I heard Julio Jones is not going to participate. I heard Kyle Williams from the Bills is going to play his final, final NFL game in the Pro Bowl. That's uh, – I, I think Kyle Williams has been uh, tremendous for, for the Buffalo Bills and really just great great news for, for him to really end it out that way I also think I heard that uh Khalil Mack of the Chicago Bears he was out as well and I think um they said that the Giants defensive end Olivier Vernon was going to take his place but also there was a a little interesting tidbit on my um New York Giants as well that I wanted wanted to point out the um Pro Bowl kicker for the NFC Aldrich Rosas I think he was like the first Giants kicker to be drafted, but then also make a Pro Bowl since like Ali Haj Sheik. I think he did it back in 1983, but that's a great accomplishment for for Rosas. But I, I, I really think the NFL, I really think this Pro Bowl, though, really whoever um, doesn't make it to the Super Bowl, I think just the stars all across the board are, it's going to be a really uh, fun game to watch. Should be, but I have the AFC winning, but we'll predict that after the AFC title game. We'll preview the Pro Bowl, and then we'll preview the Super Bowl. Now, let's talk about our reactions with our with the head coaching vacancies that were filled this week. But let me tell you the list on who was already hired. So, the Green Bay Packers hired Matt LaFleur to be the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made a huge splash. Let me tell you, they have made a huge splash in hiring uh, Bruce Arians as their next head coach. Then the Cardinals decided to go with 
former USC offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury as their next head coach. And then the Browns hiring Freddie Kitchens as their next head coach. And then the Denver Broncos decided to go the veteran route and go with Vic Fangio as their next head coach. And then the New York Jets hired Adam Gase as their next head coach with leaving the Bengals and Dolphins left looking for a new head coach for the 2019 season. So tell me your reactions on those on the on the head coaches I mentioned and what would they do to turn those teams around? Well, I absolutely agree with you that uh, Tampa Bay made a huge splash with uh, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. I mean, just how they work together with the Cardinals and put that championship team together over those years that they were there. I just think Tampa Bay, they are really going to um, turn something up there. I just think, you know, Winston still needs to learn a lot, but he still has um, some quality weapons around him. Um, with Green Bay, um, with um, Matt LaFleur as, as their coach, I, I was kind of a little confused by, by the move. I really thought they would stick with, with Joe Fieldman, but, you know, I think – with LaFleur, I think, you know, he's just going to be given an opportunity. You know, he worked with Jared Goff in Los Angeles. And I just think, you know, he's Green Bay saying, you know what, you worked with him, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's still going to have some years left. Let's see if you can do to him after just a bit of a down year for Aaron Rodgers this season and see how that goes in Green Bay for for the Cardinals with Clingsbury, I really thought they would have um, gone a different direction. But I really think, though, that he can turn things around for, for Arizona. But what confuses me about it is why would they fire Wilkes after just one season and then bring in a guy from USC to, to take over? I just, I just kind of was a little confused about that. But I, I think Clingsbury, though, could still do a very – um, respectable job in Arizona and for Cleveland as well. I, when I was talking to you about seeing who they would hire between kitchens and Williams, you know, I, I, I personally probably would have kept Greg Williams because of his head coaching experience, but you know, I have to give my congrats though to Freddie kitchens just for what he did for that offense under Baker Mayfield. And I just think they, they trust him to, to lead this team into the future. And then for, for Denver with Vic Fangio, I, I just think he is going to um, upgrade that defense and the Denver Broncos offense, I think is just going to fall into place under Vic Fangio. I think Elway will focus a little bit on the offense, but knowing Vic Fangio, he's going to be like in total control of the defense. I, I, I think I can see that marriage working working out in Denver. Oh, yeah, but also speaking of the Denver offense, the offense should be a lot better the upcoming season because Gary Kubiak is now the offensive coordinator for the Broncos, so you forgot to mention that point. But what I think he, what I think of those hires is I think the Browns hire, making Freddie Kitchens their next head coach is, is a good choice because I think it's going to help Baker Mayfield out with his development. Cliff Kingsbury is going to help Josh Rosen out and be the franchise guy for the Cardinals. Although there are rumors about the Cardinals trading Josh Rosen to, for the for the Cardinals to draft Kyler Murray, that's not going to happen. Expect the Cardinals to use their number one pick in getting Nick Bosa from Ohio State when the draft comes. And then hiring Bruce Arians was big for the Bucs. They needed a veteran head coach that knows offense. Bruce Arians is an offensive coordinator in the past. And Bruce Arians is definitely a guy that's going to help Jameis Winston turn his career around. 
Matt LaFleur is a guy that I think is going to help Aaron Rodgers out. And I think expect the Packers to keep Joe Philbin as their offensive coordinator under LaFleur. Absolutely. And then yes. talk about, I was telling you this, I was telling you that Gary Kubiak is now the offensive coordinator for the Broncos. So to, to break that down on what the Broncos are going to do, Vic Fangio is going to focus on the defensive side of the ball. Then he'll hire a defensive coordinator that will work with Fangio. And then Gary Kubiak will hire, will work on the offense because he knows Case Keenum the best. So the Denver Broncos offense shouldn't be an issue in 2019. No, it, it, it shouldn't. Because no. you, you said you thought the Broncos offense would be an issue with when they made the move to hire Vic Fangio. Yeah, I just uh, what 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 I guess what I what I meant by that is just Fangio would focus on on the offense. But th- but thank you for uh, bringing up about Kubiak. I I did I did forget about that. But I think like like you said, he's going to have a great relation with with Case Keenum. Yeah. So Vic Fangio will be the head coach. He's already chosen to be the new head coach of the Broncos. But he's going. I think he's going to focus on the defensive side of the ball and helping that defense that Von Miller led defense get back on track. Absolutely. So, and, um, and, and pre- let's predict now who will fill the last two spots for the head coaching sh- vacancy. So let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Vance Joseph's out of the sweepstakes. I think Vance Joseph joins Adam Gase with the Jets. And I see Hugh Jackson becoming the new head coach for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I could, I could see that for um, Cincinnati, you know, I just think Cincinnati, they, they, they want to go with a decision that I think um, that they feel is comfortable for them. But, you know, if Vance Joseph is going to be completely out of the picture, I, I just still don't think you, you should leave him out there unless if a team does pick him up, like you say, if Adam Gase wants him to, um, go to the Jets, but I just think Cincinnati, though, they just need to make a decision that is comfortable with them and also knowing that he can work with Andy Dalton and this offense as well as the Cincinnati Bengals team overall just to get this team back into the postseason. For sure. And then for the Dolphins, I still have them hiring Mike Shula to be their next head coach so that you bring back the Shula family in Miami. I agree. I, I agree with that. I um I think I think Mike Shula. You know. You know. Towards the end of the season. You know when he was, um the offensive coordinator for for the Giants. I thought you know the Giants offense started to pick it up. They struggled scoring, at least thirty points a game. You know several years ago, and they just couldn't do anything under Ben McAdoo. But like you said, you know if just bring the Shula family back to to Miami. Um and I just think you know he'll he could do a good job putting that team back on the map after not really making much of a postseason run since his father retired back in 1995. I mean, just the Dolphins have just been once in a wild playoff team. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think for who I think the next offensive coordinator for the Cardinals should be Ben McAdoo under Cliff Kingsbury. And I think – I don't know where Greg Williams is going to end up. I mean, I think – I think – I think the, I think Cliff Kingsbury will find a, new, a good defensive coordinator. I don't know who that be, but I think who I think will be the new offensive coordinator in uh, in Arizona. I think it's going to be uh, like I, I think it's going to be uh, not Ben Mac. I think it's going to be Ben McAdoo. 
I agree. I I th- I think I think Kingsbury. He just he needs to um, find someone who who is going to who is going to be comfortable. And also, with with your point of saying, you know, if they are going to draft defense, with if the Cardinals are going to draft defense in the first round, I mean, you just you want to find an offensive coach that is comfortable with mentoring a rookie quarterback, even though Rosen's going into his second year, but he still had to um, work his way out through Sam Bradford and the rest of the people there. But you just, you want to hire someone who, who is comfortable with working with a young final NFL thoughts. Um, tell me your final thought about Adam Gates being the next head coach of the Bronco of the Jets. I, I really think it's a good hire for, for, for the Jets. It, it keeps Adam Gates in um, the AFC East. He can still, go after um, New England. But I, I really think, though, the Jets um, know what direction they are going in. They tried Todd Bowles to go to the defensive side, but I think Adam Gase, though, he's just going to help Darno and that offense just um, gain gain some supremacy in the AFC East eventually. But just they, they need to surround Sam Darnold with offensive weapons first before they – can really make a run. All right, so uh, we'll stop right here. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll pre- we'll talk about baseball. All right. Welcome back, Alex. Um, now let's now that our NFL discussion's over. Now let's uh, begin our discussion of the MLB segment on the Dodgers, Lakers, Patriots, and Rams podcast. I'm your host, Laura Antonio, and then Alex is joining me again to talk about baseball and MLB-related offseason news. And let's start off with Bryce Harper staying with the Nationals. And uh, tell me, um, momentum is starting to build up with Harper and the Nats. Do you think a deal will get done? I think so. You know, I, I, th- I think Bryce Harper, you know, he's starting to really, you know, field all the offers that, that are, I think, you know, with what's going, with what's going to happen with the Nationals if he – decides to sign with someone else. I just think Harper's realizing, you know, just with these young, talented players they have with Soto and just still. And Robles, too. You know, and Robles, absolutely. I just think he wants to stay and he wants to just see what this this team can do because they because they are a perennial postseason team to get there, but they just they need to figure out a way to get past the first round of the postseason. Yep, they got to get past the first round of the NLDS. And um, I could, I now expect the Dodge, the Bryce Harper to remain with the Washington Nationals. And let's talk about uh, Manny Machado now. Do you see him signing with the Chicago White Sox or going to the Philadelphia Phillies? That it, uh, and that's, that's an interesting question. I just think, you know, it's an absolute toss-up right now. For, for me personally, I, I could see him probably – going to the White Sox more than the Phillies because the Phillies like the Nationals and like the Braves they're they're just full of young prospects right now. I just think Chicago though just they need to find someone who they can build around and I just think they they trust that with with Machado but you know if if Philadelphia signs him though I I just think Philadelphia um like I had in my um standings prediction for the NL East. I think they're I think they could be just right on the heels of the Atlanta Braves if they get that deal done with Machado. But if the White Sox deal to Machado, it could sense that they're just building towards the direction to at least be respectable in the AL Central. For sure. I think so. But now 
talk about the Dodgers needs a catcher. So, um, Yasmani Grandal yesterday signed a one-year deal at the Brewers. And then another free agent, pending free agent for the Dodgers that also left today is Brian Dozier signing with the Nationals. So, let's start off with Grandal of the Brewers. I think that's going to be a good fit for him there because I know Grandal likes hitting the ball. He's a good offensive catcher, but the defense was just not quite there in Grandal's resume. But with Dozier, with the Nationals, I think he's going to provide some pop and power to that lineup. But the defense isn't there. But he also played through a bone bruise in his knee. So taking a look at the Dodgers team needs, we'll get to that in a minute. So let's talk about Yasmani Grandal to the Brewers. Did you, do you see him being a fit there with the Brewers? Absolutely. I, I really think that the, the Brewers, just what they did in that last season that they had, getting Christian Yelich, getting – those guys that, you know, can just fill in and really just do do their jobs well. And I just think Grandal, you know, he's just kind of that one missing piece they had. You know, I think you know, I think I think their catchers, you know, were were decent last last year, but I think that was just kind of the one thing that they were missing, I think, to get past the Dodgers in, in the NLCS. But I mean that was that was a fun series to watch between the Brewers and Dodgers and knowing that Grandal's basically switching teams from the championship series. I mean, I think that's a, a very interesting um, play by Grandal. We were going to talk about if the Dodgers were opened with the reunion with Grandal, but talk about the Dodgers catching needs. I don't see them now getting a free agent. I see them going internally, moving Austin Barnes from catcher to a backup infielder since Austin Barnes has had, has had experience playing second base. So I think that will make sense so that you put the two – Two young catchers and Will Smith and Kiebert Ruiz on the opening day roster when the season when the 2019 season starts for the Dodgers. Absolutely, yes. So that's that's what I think now. I don't see the Dodgers signing or making another trade at the free agent market because I've heard the rumor again today that the Dodgers and the Astros, the Braves, the Padres, and the Reds are in the mix to get JT Real Muto, but that asking price is ridiculous. And the Dodgers it- are gonna be out of that sweepstakes before you even know they don't need real muto no i i mean i mean even i was even talking to my my dad about it and i think he just like heard a rumor i think a couple of months ago that the mets were also in the sweepstakes deal with real muto but when when i heard the asking price there i was just going like there there's no way that um mets management is gonna you know go after him you know just let someone else pick him up yeah i don't see the mets or the dodgers going after real muto so I predict JT Real Muto will be traded, but I see the Astros going after Real Muto since they need a catcher desperately. Absolutely, yes. So I say the Astros will win the Real Muto sweepstakes. The Dodgers, the Mets, the Braves, and the Reds will be out of the sweepstakes. Yep. So, so that's why I think the Dodgers should not get Real Muto, but Let's talk about the other needs for the Dodgers and Mets. So the Dodgers have filled needs in their bullpen, but I do think the Dodgers will go with rookie catchers to fill their needs at catcher. And talk about the Mets' remaining needs. I really think uh, kind of what you touched on for for the Dodgers as well. You know, I like the deal with um, getting Edwin Diaz in into the bullpen with Jerry's Familia, but I just think they, they need to upgrade their bullpen a little bit more and then the only other pressing need that I would almost feel for for the Mets to really figure out is just who is going 
to be Travis Darno's backup catcher because Darno has been ha- has struggled with injuries over the last few few years with the Mets. So I'm just hoping that they could find someone who can be reliable if Darno gets hurt or at least if they need to gar- give Darno the day off. I just think just really their bullpen and just really finding a backup catcher should should be their priorities. Second base and catcher, is it a glaring need for the Dodgers? Because I expect Caber Ruiz to be the starting catcher and split those duties with Will Smith, and then Austin Barnes could play catcher once in a while, and I expect Austin Barnes to now be the backup second baseman now because I expect Chris Taylor and uh, Kike Hernandez to be everyday players with Chris Taylor starting in left field, then Kike Hernandez at second. So that's why I don't see the Dodgers going after a free agent catcher or another free agent outfielder since that trade made with the Reds. True. True. So um, now let's outline the Dodgers and Mets 25-man roster. So let me start off with my Dodgers, of course. So I'll read you what I have. So officially I have, for my predictions of the Dodgers 25-man roster, so for the rotation I have Kershaw, Bueller, Ryu, Hill, and Maeda. And the bullpen I have Caleb Ferguson, Ross Stripling, Scott Alexander, Tony Segrani, Pedro Baez, Dylan Floro, Joe Kelly. And Kenley Jansen with Josh Fields, the odd man out because of injuries. And with the emergence of Floro and Ferguson and Alexander, Josh Fields will be the odd man out because of injuries that he battled. But when healthy, Josh Fields is a, is a weapon out of that bullpen. And for the position players, I have uh, Kieber Ruiz and Will Smith at catchers. And the infielders are, for the starting infield group, I have Max Muncie, Kike Hernandez, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner. And then the reserves are David Freeze and Austin Barnes. And then the outfield starters I have is Alex Verdugo, Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, and Jock Peterson. Okay, uh, for um, for my Mets then, um, for the starting pitching staff, I got uh, um, Jacob deGrom, um, Noah Syndergaard. I got Robert Gazelman, Seth Lugo, Stephen Matz, um, and if there's a six starter, if the Mets go for six, I would have a uh, Corey Oswald for for mine. Castellman's um, a reliever. Mets... Oh, I'm I'm sorry. What, sorry, say that again. Robert Castellman and Seth Lugo are relievers, so expect Dan Wheeler and Stephen Matz to round out the rotation with Jason Vargas. True. Yeah. I, yeah. I I also just uh, feel as well because uh, um. So when they also began their you're career predicting when they that, begin. So you're predicting that Degrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Mats, and Vargas are are your t- are your are your top five in the rotation for the Mets. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then go on, continue on with your with your pitchers to begin the year. How many pitchers you're going to go with, and how many position players you're going to go with? Um, I think uh um for for their bullpen, like like I said, I think uh Gisselman and uh um. Lugo will will stay in there. I also think um, Corey Oswald could um, be that next guy, and then uh, um, Edwin Diaz and uh, Jerry's familia are gonna um, be members of of their bullpen as well. Um, and then my two catchers for for the Mets um, would be uh, Tomas Nito and no, you have Wilson Ramos Darno. and Travis Darno. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I see. Yeah, I see. With uh, um, Wilson Ramos, he he could win out over um, T- 
Tomas Nito um, with their infield. I see um, Ahmed Rosario, Jeff McNeil. Um, Put Robbie Cano at first instead of Tommy. Robbie Cano at first. A absolutely, yeah. I see Jeff McNeil at at second, Rosario at um, at shortstop, and then and then at third base. You know, it just Todd Frazier, the top Todd, father. Yeah, because uh, um, David Wright took uh, the position in the Mets front front office, and I thought that was a really good move. And then their outfield, you know, just it, was, it would be speaking Cespedes. of the outfield. Before you continue, I want to ask: Do you know when Jonas Cespedes? Cespedes is coming back. Is he supposed to be back by opening day or no? I, uh, I, I, I don't think so. I think he's probably still, still nursing it. He, he might be back, I think, maybe late spring training, but I just don't think he's going to probably start, you know, right away at, at the season opener. Yeah, I think um, when, if, he, if Cespedes comes back, then you, put, you move Michael Conforto back to center field. And then you put Cespedes in left with Keon Broxton and Dominic Smith are your fourth and fifth outfielders. Absolutely. Because yes. you – no, I meant Dominic Smith and Juan Lagaris. Yeah, Juan, Juan Lagaris, yeah. And because Keon Broxton – I don't know if he has minor league options because you guys just got Keon Broxton. And I don't know if he's going to start or not. Yeah, I yeah, I just think, I, I just think with, with 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 them, I just don't think you want to um, tool around with 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 just a great outfield. And I also think that um, you know, just Brandon Nimmo is also just a very key um, weapon in that outfield. I was very impressed by what I saw of him la last season. So, do you think the starting outfielders will be for now Conforto, Lagares, and Nemo? And say if those guys play well, do you think Cespedes takes on a reduced role? Yeah, I think yeah, I think uh, um, you know Lagares is going to um, most likely play se center field, and Brandon Nimmo will um, go to right, and uh, Michael Conforto would be at left. That that's what I could see on uh, on opening day. And Cespedes is going to start the year on the DL again. Yeah, I would yeah, I would probably fifteen day or or at least thirty day. I mean, I just don't know if he's going to be ready to be back by opening day i mean you know he might, he might be, be a trade option um, now you guys should trade him so that make room for lagaris and keon broxton on your outfield absolutely because since you guys got broxton and i think wilson ramos is going to be the starting catcher with travis darno as the backup catcher mm -hmm. and, absolutely um, talk about the mets this year and talk about um because now we've talked we kind of outlined the uh the uh, 25 man rosters, but now let's go down to the batting order and predict. So let's start with the Dodgers, with my Dodgers and who I think will be the projected batting order for the Dodgers. So I have to begin the 2019 season and how Dave Roberts will construct his batting order for the Dodgers to begin the 2019 season. I have Chris Taylor, Chris Taylor as our lead as the lead off hitter and playing left field. And then Corey Seager batting second and playing shortstop. And then Justin Turner hitting third and playing third base. And then Max Muncie hitting fourth, hitting cleanup as, and playing first base. And then Kike Hernandez batting fifth and playing second base. And then uh, Cody Bellinger batting sixth and playing center field. Then Kiva Ruiz bat seventh and does the catching. And then Alex Verdugo hits eighth and plays right field. Tell me your lineup, your projected lineup for the New York Mets to begin the season. Um, for, for, for my, for my projected 
um, lineup, I would have uh, um, Brandon Nimmo um, playing playing first. Um, no, did you mean like le- Brandon Nimmo leading off and playing right field? Yes, yeah, yeah, batting first, yeah. And who's batting second for uh, the Mets? In- um, I would have uh, um, Ahmed Rosario as uh, my uh, second one. And who's and batting then, third? Would it, could, and, would it and be? And probably um, Jeff, Mc, Jeff McNeil behind him. Then batting cleanup would be um, would be probably um, either I, – I, I could probably put mine on um, Robinson Cano maybe on – on cleanup there, um, fifth I could see um, McNeil. See, I could see or Frazier. Yeah, I could see. I I could see Frazier batting batting fifth. Um, sixth would probably be either Ramos or or Darno for for me to start the year. Whoever beats out who, and then um, seventh would probably be Conforto, and eighth would. Probably be Ligaris. Here's who I have as the uh, batting order for the Mets. So now I predicted the Dodgers batting order. Do you agree with the Dodgers batting order that I said to you? Agree. Yes. With Chris absolutely. Taylor as the leadoff hitter and playing left field over Jock Peterson because Chris Taylor's more of an everyday player than Jock Peterson is. Absolutely. Yes. So for the Mets, I have leading off and playing uh, right field is Brandon. I'm on with you on that one. And then batting second and playing left field is Michael Conforto. And then batting third at shortstop is Ahmed Rosario. Then Robinson Cano bats fourth and plays first base. And then Todd Frazier hits fifth and plays third. And then Wilson Ramos hits sixth and does the catching. And then Jeff McNeil bats seventh at second base. And then Juan Lagares will bat eighth. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could see see that happening. You know, uh, I I just think for for me personally, just kind of seeing how those first three batters go, I just think the Mets they they need more speed on the base pass because that's just something that they just have not had in in years. And just when I saw of Rosario and Nimmo, I just I just think I just remember saying to my dad, if you start those two guys within the first three batters and get one of them on base, you know, you could ask. Just wanted them to steal because they just they need to apply a, a running game, you know, in their um, team. Yeah, and I have the Mets p- p- finishing in second. So, do you agree with the Dodgers lineup? Like I told you, like you have Taylor leading off, then Seager hitting second, then Turner hitting third, Muncie hitting fourth, Kike hitting fifth, and Bellinger hitting sixth, and then Kieber Ruiz hitting seventh, and then Alex Verdugo hitting eighth. I, I I do agree with that. I think uh um Seager and uh um Turner to start off. You know, I mean the, I mean those two guys are um really good contact hitters, and you know I think Justin Turner for you guys has absolutely turned a corner for for your team. He's done really well, and then just kind of the rest of the order it falls in into place real real really well. I mean, just the Dodgers have a lot of great hitters on on their team, and I just really think that um. That there's just that there's just going to be you know at least a lot of offense once once again. Oh yeah, I mean the Dodgers. What I don't expect to happen when the when the new season begins for the Dodgers is less platoons. I thought that putting all right-handed bats against the left-handed starter, I I thought it would work out, but I didn't like it that much mm-hmm. because for me, I just want the Dodgers to put the best eight guys in the lineup on an everyday basis. And that gives this team the best chance to win each game and win a World Series championship. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's why I didn't like those platoons last year. And I thought that was bad management. I thought we over we 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 got overmanaged and Roberts didn't do a good job in doing that part. He pulled pitchers out at the wrong time, which I think he's gotta let some of the starters go a little bit deeper into games, which I think is if you let a pitcher go complete game, it gives the bullpen a much needed rest. Absolutely. You know, I mean, and and that's why I liked, you know, with the Mets last year when they, you know, let Noah Syndergaard, you know, throw um, some complete games as well as Jacob DeGrom because, you know, early in the season when the way I saw the Mets were kind of doing their bullpen last year, I mean, I just think they just derailed their bullpen so early on in, in the year. And I just think that's just kind of was the stumbling block for them. But, you know, I could see at least the Mets first three starting pitchers at least going seven, eight innings, you know, you know, come the middle of the season. But like you said, you know, if a pitcher does throw a complete game, and I think the Mets at least have two of those guys that can throw a complete games. I mean, that just helps your bullpen out so much. Yeah. The Dodgers didn't even do that all last year. I expect the Dodgers to, to, to have a better bullpen this upcoming season. Because the bullpen last year was terrible in the postseason. And I think adding Joe Kelly to the Dodgers really helps this Dodger team in the postseason. Absolutely. And now let's mm-hmm. go to our final MLB thought. And for me, I think the Dodgers are going to win 108 games this year. Um, yeah, no, for, for, for me, I'm going to um, stick around with uh, my early prediction as well. I think the Mets could probably win at least 85-plus games this, this year. But I just think, you know, they – um, are just going to miss out of the playoffs again this, this season. All righty, so I'll talk to you next week. All right.